0: Okay, hello, this is Charlie, um, from the podcast to hell and back. Uh, It's, uh, what is it, September 5th, 2018. I'm doing this podcast, as usual, from Northampton, Massachusetts, 4 o'clock Eastern time, and it will be posted on my website within about two days, Um, charlieswenson.com. A couple comments just before I start. Just to let you know, and I'll be advertising these uh, in various places, but uh, I do have some trainings coming up I'll just let you know about. Um, one, uh, I'll be doing uh, an intensive DBT 10-day intensive training, uh, two of them coming up. Um, one of them begins January 6th, which is a Sunday where you there's five days. Uh, starting January 6th, and, uh, and then the second five days, part two of that 10-day intensive, will take place in May. Forget the dates. These are in Brooklyn, New York. And um, a couple things to let you know about that training. One, it's uh, something that if you if it works better for you to stay at home and do part one over the computer, watching and listening and taking part. Um, you're welcome to do that, uh, and uh, but if you do take part two, you need to uh, attend in person. It's harder to do that over uh, a webinar. And uh, secondly, if you really are wanting a foundational training, not a, um intensive, that means it's for people doing DBT in a team that has some intensively trained people, but you aren't intensively trained and you want to get trained, you can come to the five, first five days, the foundational, and then I can make arrangements with someone from your team uh, to follow up after that because you'll do all the same homework assignments that but they'll be reviewed by that person and then reported back to me. So you can get uh, by coming for five days and you can do those five days also um, from the convenience of your home. These things are on, uh, you can see where on my website, where to go for for uh, the place where you register for this. Uh, I'll be doing an intensive training, a 10-day intensive training beginning in April, I think it's April 22nd, in Northampton, Massachusetts, my hometown, and with a follow-up in October, beautiful months of the year in this part of the country. Uh, I'll be doing an intensive that starts in uh, Bologna, Italy in uh november and here i think it's 10 11 and 12 i do them differently in italy i do three days at a time including two weekend days and i'd go there three times so the first time would be in november that'll be on my website and you can inquire about that and in april i'd be doing a two-day skills training workshop in northampton massachusetts i'll get clearer about those dates and uh Anyway, those are the things that are there for open enrollment. Um, All right, all right, all right, all right. Enough already, self-advertising. All right, we're in the middle, following up last podcast, of uh, covering the distress tolerance skills in DBT. And this is not just for DBT people. This is for everybody. In fact, as you'll hear, I think these are really for everybody, like total difference in life uh, if you have or don't have these uh, sets of skills. And uh, so let me introduce – so we're done with uh, three – Of the crisis survival skills last time we're going to finish up with the other three today and then go into the reality acceptance skills because as you'll hear there's two packages of skills within just tolerating distress and they do different things and they're totally interrelated so I want you to understand all of that and I want to start by a little imaginary exercise I want you to imagine yourself uh, or somebody in an airplane Cruising along, high altitudes, uh, doing just fine, and for some weird reason that I can't explain, it's just in my imagination, everyone has a parachute, and they all have a parachute on. And in the middle of the flight, all of a sudden, a door opens, and you are sucked out. And before you know it, you're in the air, falling, flying whatever you do when you're in the air and imagine yourself in that situation really because we're going to link this to real life situations and of course that could be a real life situation for some people but it's kind of a small group of people (laughs) certainly i don't want to put myself in that position i'm afraid of heights to begin with um but um you there are two there are many things that could kill you right all kinds of weird things could kill you. You could have a bird come by and crash into you and kill you. You could have a plane come by and kill you, a glider. Oh, gosh. You could have a, somebody else fell out of another airplane and they come by and crash into you and kill you. Um, so there's lots of ways to die in that situation. But here's there's two ways to die that really would rely, if you had them, on skills of the kind we're teaching uh, to help you survive. And one set of those skills is that addresses this: if you don't accept that this has happened to you, you don't accept that you're flying in the air. You don't accept gravity. You don't expect the speed with which you're going to go down. You don't, ex- you don't accept. I'm sorry, accept that you that this airplane had a door that opened for God knows what reason and sucked you out of all people, but not the other people. So let's say you're stuck in a state of non-acceptance. You're thinking back to, wait a minute, how could this have happened? What? This isn't fair. I mean, this, why, why did I take that airplane to begin with? And by the way, why do I have this parachute on? And, and this is, I, I'm just not going to accept this. I mean, that's non-acceptance. If you not, don't accept, of course, you're spending your time not accepting which is a, 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 an amount of time that has now progressed you 3,000 feet downwards and uh, made it more likely that you will die. So non-acceptance might spare your feelings, your worries, might help you avoid fear and stuff, but it will kill you, especially if you go all the way down. I mean, rapidly, fully, totalistically accepting your circumstance is critical in that situation. Um and as fast as possible, right? So that's one set of skills you need, is to, how would you accept that? Um, some people can accept it automatically. Some people have to work on that. Then there's this other set of, of skills, and that is, what if you accept it? Even immediately, you accept it. The problem with accepting it, of course, is it will bring about massive emotions, crisis, terror, panic. Oh, my God. What? Oh, what happened here? And you, um, and that at that point, the fact that you have intense emotions, each of which might come with sort of some urgency and with some action urge, this could kill you because it could derail you. You could start doing things uh, to manage your emotions that are not very skillful and that waste time or that get you to do things that actually are not in your best interest. So um, if you don't have... The capacities, the capabilities, or you don't use them to um, fall effectively and to deal with your crisis emotions while you're falling and to have some, you know, also to have a be able to land, uh, this could kill you. So the distress tolerance skills that I'm talking about are your capabilities um, that you need when the bottom falls out in your life and you are in free fall and you are in a crisis, and you are in a crisis partly because you recognize that you are in a crisis, that you do see reality for what it is, but that's half the job. So that just wanted to get that in there. Um, If you have those skills and you use them, they much increase the likelihood that you will survive. Your emotions will not therefore kill you or lead you to do things that would kill you, and your non-acceptance won't kill you. You need both of these capabilities, and you need them together. They work together. They reinforce each other. And you need them to, to, uh, to survive in general in life in order to take hard, bold steps in your life, to do things, not just if you fall out of an airplane, but if you just decide, you know, I'm going to step up to the plate and take on building the business I've always thought of building, and I'm really scared uh, but you do it with your eyes open, with radical acceptance of reality, and also with uh, having a backpack, so to speak, filled with, with crisis survival strategies so that you won't do yourself in, right? Um, all right. Like, for instance, let's take a real case, somebody who, who I discussed her situation three times in the previous podcasts. Um, you can go back and find her. Uh, the death of a child is the name of the three podcasts it, that I did talking to Natalia Garcia, who lost her two-year-old child, who died uh, during the night while sleeping for no obvious reason. And uh, she and her husband found him there in the morning. And that was the moment that the bottom dropped out and that she was, so to speak, falling. If she did not accept the reality, let's start with reality acceptance, of what had happened. If she had denied that her child was dead, which, by the way, some people could, and some people might walk around for months or longer carrying a a doll and acting as if it's alive and thinking of it as alive. Some people will just bury the whole thing in their mind and just not revisit it, and they just decide this did not happen. This did not happen, and that will damage their life. Uh, some people will get obsessed with reviewing what happened, uh, why it happened, why it happened to them in such a way that it doesn't move anything forward. I mean, there's such a thing as reviewing in order to figure something out, in order to solve a problem. But some people get stuck, of course, with a bad thing having happened in their life, just continuing to say over and over again, how did this, how did this happen? How did this happen? And ruminating about it in such a way that uh, I can understand it, it does uh, sort of uh, block the future of your life from happening. And you're stuck because you can't accept what happened. So the reality acceptance skills are critical there. But back to Natalia, if she did accept what happened, which she did, and rather quickly, And that it unquestionably happened for god knows what reason it then would and did set off a powerful set of crisis emotions she talked about it on the podcast she wanted she just uh, was of course crying and screaming how could this happen and this isn't you know I can't I can't I'm not gonna make it I can't stand this She went out of her house. She thought, I'm never going to go back in. Um, She just was having, as any one of us would, a terrible emotional time. And she needed to use the crisis survival skills. She already had begun to use acceptance, but that left her in a distraught state she started to use things like the stop skills. I'm not saying she did all of these consciously, but the stop skill I talked about last time of stopping and taking a step back in your mind and observing what's going on and get, trying to get in a mindful state and then proceeding uh, almost automatically did the pros and cons of, of re-entering the house, the pros and cons of moving forward in her life um, and all kinds of little decisions related to that, the pros and cons of whether to drive past the daycare center on her way to work which she used to do every morning um, the pros and cons about whether to reach out to her friends many of whom or all of whom were mothers of similar age children whether whether how to handle her relationship with her husband about this and all of these things or to watch videos of her son who had just had his second birthday party and so she needed to rely on what I also taught last time the tip skills Um, to try to um, keep herself from uh, panicking too much you know breathing pacing her breathing relaxing using tension and relaxation um, etc right and then other ones I'm going to talk about today using various means for distracting her mind when it was just on overload uh, self soothing when it was just awful torturous and and various set of skills called improve the moment that I'm going to get into. And so she really had to rely on the presence of her internal behavioral crisis kit. You might say her ability to her first aid kit for severe emotions. So as not to make bad choices, uh, not to uh, so that she could stay afloat. So she could keep her head in the game and keep herself moving forward. And in her case, so You can see she used reality acceptance skills, which were critical, and she used crisis survival strategies, which were critical. And then she had an additional agenda, which you might call more of a change agenda and something we're going to cover in a a module in the future, which will probably start during next week, emotion regulation. She wanted to start to expose herself fairly soon to the triggers the cues that would set off these painful feelings watching things about her child contacting people about her child hearing about other people's children etc all these things you know that each of which brought with it pain Um, and and that would make many people want to retreat would make everybody want to retreat from these things but she decided to move towards these things to expose herself to these things to have sort of an exposure lifestyle towards the memory and experiences about her son and uh, she moved forward with lots of uh, in lots of ways and that to do that to bring about change in your life with your emotions or with a realistic situation that caused you pain you're going to re-trigger and re-trigger and re-trigger these painful crisis emotions so not only do you need your crisis survival strategies uh you're going to uh you're going to need them again each time you try to uh address the problem because it's going to be painful again, but so as not to ignore it, avoid it, escape from it, and get uh, nowhere um, you really need these skills again, so these are important i mean just briefly, those of you who also listened to the podcasts and there were three of them um where I interviewed or just talked with Cedar Coons about her sisters uh, having killed herself, um, she needed lots of acceptance skills, mindfulness skills, which she teaches and which she practiced, and a supportive mindfulness-oriented community that helped her, a willingness to accept what happened rather quickly and to act effectively in the wake of what happened um, to accept reality. If she had not been able to move right in and accept the reality of what happened to her sister what her sister had done um, she uh, might have retreated long enough uh, to allow the fate of her two disabled nephews the grown-up children of her sister uh, to lose out on what on the planning that had been done to make sure they had resources in their lives uh, Cedar had to move in and do that. And to do that, she had to accept that this had happened to her sister. She had to accept the circumstances around it. She had to accept that there was actually somebody in their lives that was ready to move in and exploit the situation and, and, and undermine their future resources. So the fact that she had reality acceptance skills and Crisis survival skills like distracting and self-soothing and and improving the moment and her mindfulness skills made it possible for her to intervene still painfully and still going through hell, as she discussed with me. Um, But it made her very effective at getting the things done that needed to get done, and then she was able to begin to recover. Um, So these capabilities are life-changing, and to not have them, Put you in a very dangerous position sometimes, or just an ineffective position sometimes, and either you or other people lose out. Uh, even briefer, but if you heard the two hours that I spent at the beginning of my whole podcast series, back I think in October, uh, were my the discussions with Domingo Marquez in Puerto Rico the night of September 20th last year when Hurricane Maria came through and the bottom dropped out for the whole country and so many people, um, and had he and the others that hung in there not used reality acceptance to see actually and accurately what had happened, which gradually unfolded as people explored, um, they would have just retreated into their own cocoons. And instead, all these people moved out into the world, seeing what happened, accepting what happened, experiencing the pain of what happened, and using crisis survival strategies to cope themselves while they came up with how to problem-solve in other people's lives. So that was a really powerful one. And one more example that's kind of an unfortunate example of what goes wrong I think, and I don't think it's unusual if you don't have these skills or enough of them. Years ago, a young, a girl, a 15-year-old girl who moved from a, a European country to Massachusetts and she entered high school in September and she was very pretty and rather quickly she started to be targeted as some of the boys or some of the girls started to see her as a potential rival uh, with their potential boyfriends or the people they really liked and she started to get slammed on social media She was kind of a nice kid a kind of a shy kid And um from what I understand and so rather quickly within a month. She was really suffering shame humiliation uh fear uh, In social media and at school and people were calling her all kinds of ridiculously awful names and um And at that point, she my guess is, from what happened after that, is that she did accept part of reality. She accepted the part that she was being targeted, that she was being attacked, that she was being shamed. And it created a kind of a shaming experience within her. She couldn't grasp, of course, the larger reality of where all this came from and how little it had to do with actually her. Um, that she was a target for something um, that may or may not have helped her. But she did accept, she did. She wasn't crazy. She ex- saw what was happening, and it was just so painful. And she didn't have much of, of, a, of a safety net to fall back on, having just begun here. Um, and so she did have some reality acceptance, enough to feel terrible, which is what happens when you start to accept an emotion, the realities of an emotional crisis. But apparently she did not have much. In the way of crisis survival strategies or if she did they were overwhelmed by the pain and the isolation that she felt you know had she been in a process even of learning these skills learning to see reality as it was learning to accept the presence of bad feelings and thoughts learning to cope with them with stop skills pros and cons tip skills distracting self-soothing and improve skills all in her own way perhaps she wouldn't have ended up hanging herself as she did and killing herself Um, just a tragedy so i i really go forward with many examples like this of these skills uh, truly save lives they can truly save lives you never know which one will so you want to teach them all and you want to teach each one as if it is the solution and you want to take these into your own life and practice them because actually to get them into your uh, parachute or into your backpack or into your first aid crisis emotion kit, um, you know, you really have, they don't just go in there. You you get them in there because you've done them over and over and over again, anticipating that sometime you may have a crisis and it might help. And by the way, even if you didn't have a crisis in the moment, I'm going to go into later, like why it is that having these on board in your repertoire actually can do wonderful things for you. In terms of daily life and the choices that you make that it really can help you establish freedom and take bold moves in your life and accept things that are hard to accept Um, so actually these are not just for crises even though they're called crisis or distress tolerance skills I mean there's not a day we don't have distress but we don't always have the kind that I've just been talking about so that all having been said, to sort of once again jump back into the uh, why are these so important, and to orient some of you, um, let's let's go through the rest of the skills. Uh, last time I talked about the stop skill, so you can listen to what came up last time. Um, I guess that would be podcast number 27. This is number 28. Uh, the stop skills allow you to stop the progress of an urge to go in a. Direction that really is against your best interest, that really is harmful to you or to others. And so you can stop yourself, take a step back, observe what's going on in your body, your mind, and uh, think of what your options are, and then proceed mindfully. The pros and cons skill that I taught last time is really how to weigh the pros and cons of going ahead with that um, deed, that urge. Uh, Let's say it's a substance abuse urge. Uh, uh, And then the pros and cons of resisting that, restraining yourself from that, and having these four boxes to consider. You can hear about it from last time's uh, podcast. And then I went over the really interesting tip skills, which are ways to try to change your body chemistry in particular to activate your parasympathetic nervous system and help you calm down and put the brakes on your which you know the sympathetic nervous system which is your fight flight freeze nervous system so it has a lot of good skills of uh, breathing and uh, relaxation and uh, temperature and intense exercise so you can listen to those now where I'm going to pick up is one add-on to the tip skills okay that's where we're going to start uh, with what's new. Um, so, um, here it is. Let's go back to the. Uh, this is a really good skill, but it does require a little preparation and practice. And if you're, and it really is helpful, if you not only tend to have crisis uh, responses that are really over the top, extreme emotional arousal, but if they also are, as they often are, accompanied by some terrible thought directed towards yourself and the between the thought and the emotions and the physiology it just does you in so this one adds in trying to address the damaging thinking while you're doing the other practice so here's what you do uh first of all remember um, you uh with with the paced breathing combined with relaxation while you're breathing in let's say four in breaths um, you tense major muscle groups make them really tense and then when you're breathing out which you want to do longer than breathing in let's say you have a, a count of eight on the way out you prolong your out breath you dramatically let go of the tensed muscle groups with the idea that you're letting the tension suddenly drain out and you say in your mind relax breathe in tensing muscle groups breathe out dramatically let go of the tension and say relax now that by itself which is paced breathing and relaxation tensing and letting go is itself a complex and really valuable skill but now what about adding in trying to address these painful thoughts we're going to just build on that foundation and you add one more thing So um, let's say that you. this requires spelling out just what are these painful thoughts, the insidious thoughts, the self-damaging thoughts that add to and increase your tension uh, and your distress. Things like, I'm a bad person. Uh, I don't deserve to be loved. I don't deserve to be alive. There's something deeply wrong with me. I'll always fail. Things are hopeless. These kinds of self-statements that really do you in and go along with the painful crisis emotions. So in preparation for this skill, it means you write down those and maybe pick out the most damaging one. Like let's just use for the example, there is something deeply wrong with me. You know, I don't know what it is, but I know there's something terribly deeply wrong with me. Uh, I've come to feel that in my life, right? So that's your thought. So you write that down, and then next to it or under it, you write down effective challenges to that thought. You know, maybe it's things like, uh, you know, actually, I've really had some bad luck. that, You know, actually, I make some mistakes, but I'm not really a bad person. Actually, there are some good things about me. Whatever it is, you work with, you work with yourself or with a therapist or with somebody else to come up with the best possible challenge, the one that works for you to challenge that damaging thought. Now, you've got these in front of you. Now you take these steps. Get the paced breathing going. Four breaths in. Tense the muscle groups. Okay. Eight breaths out let the tension go think relax now next step you you you've got that going and you're going to add in the negative thought during the in-breath and the challenge during the out-breath so breathing in while I'm tensing my muscle groups with four breath I state to myself um, there is something deeply wrong with me breathing out you let go of your muscles you let go of the tension Breathe out for eight, and while you say to yourself what the challenge is, I do make some mistakes, but I'm not really a bad person. Breathing in with tension, there is something deeply wrong with me. Breathing out, letting go, I do make some mistakes, but I'm not really a bad person. You do that again and again, and you do that tomorrow, and you do that the next day, so that this is in your package of things that you do that you've got to practice doing, it's a complex skill, but once you get yourself doing it, it actually is easy to remember the different elements, and then you can use that not only to try to get through a crisis without doing something that's gonna you're gonna regret, but also it gets you to um, to address in a deep way. You're trying to really get into and then let go of this damaging thought that unfor- unfortunately has come into being in you. Okay. So that is uh, what you might, what Linehan in her manual calls effective rethinking, and paired relaxation. Okay, it's sort of a cognitive therapy practice. All right, now let's move on to the other three crisis survival strategies, and I want to just tell you about each of them. And remember, this podcast is not a skills training group. If this was a skills training group, what I'm going to talk about with distraction. would take a whole a whole week. I mean, I would teach it for an hour. We would have a homework assignment. You'd be practicing, and we would review it next week. So realize that this is an introduction of these to you, and maybe some of them will be useful already, but it's more just to give you an idea of what's there, and then um, and I'll try to give you ideas of where to go to get these in the future. Okay? So now we move on to um, distracting Distracting skills, Uh, the idea with distracting is that one of the things that keeps driving distress and driving crisis emotions is maintaining contact with the very sources that are driving them. So it may be thoughts that you're having, and you just keep ruminating. You keep going over the thoughts that are terrible, and then you feel terrible, and then you go over the thoughts that are terrible because they naturally go along with the feelings that are terrible, and you get caught in a cycle. Or... You're in contact with things in the world that are the very things that drive you nuts, that really drive the crisis. It's being in touch with certain people, certain things, certain places, and you keep doing that. Some people who've had really bad experiences in their childhood keep going back and watching movies of the very kind of things that happened, whether it was sexual abuse or physical abuse. And it's very painful, but people are driven to watch these things. And there's something to that. I'm not going to make a bigger comment on that, just to say that from the point of view of trying to get yourself out of a crisis, you don't want to keep laying on the stimuli that drive these things. You want to break contact with those things, put them on the sidelines and bring your mind into contact and bring your body into contact with things that do not generate those emotions. Maybe things that are neutral or that are positive or that generate the opposite emotion of what's going on. So when distracting, that isn't the same as denial. It isn't the same as pretending something doesn't exist. I mean, you're well aware that there's a source of pain, it's just that you decide, I'm going to put this over here on the shelf and I'm going to bring my mind or my brain and my attention into contact with other things on purpose. So there are a bunch of things that are nicely captured by a, an acronym uh, accepts, A-C-C-E-P-T-S. Each one of these is a different way of distracting yourself, and each one has its special flavors that are, have some advantages to them, and you may find that some of them work better for you than others. So the first one is A, activities, and that's engaging in activities that really bring you in contact with different kinds of emotions. Uh, and and take interrupt your connection with the crisis uh, emotions and the crisis stimuli so you may go for a walk, you may uh, clean your apartment, you might go to a bookstore, you might uh, do some baking if that's something that you usually enjoy and though you don't think you're going to enjoy it now, at least it brings you in contact with doing something that has the potential of changing how you feel or maybe it's going running um, and so it's uh uh Lots of different kind of things. Um, I'm just thinking of an uncle of mine that had to give uh, a eulogy of his father that I went to when I was a child. And he was very worried about breaking down and not being able to get through the talk he wanted to give at the funeral. And he used what I realize now in retrospect is one of these. Instead of making contact with the meaning of what he was saying, which was going to break him up and he wouldn't get through it, he used someone else's advice, a speech person's advice, to just focus while you're talking about all these meaningful things, try to focus on punctuation and phrasing and pauses and things like that. So even though you're giving a talk, your mind is more, if you can do it, focused on those things, and it might help you get through it. And it will, it may dampen a little bit the intensity of the emotionality, and they help you get through. Um, so there's lots of things that that uh, can work like this, and it really is up to each person to figure out what are the activities that help you uh, generate uh, a calmer self, a more neutral self, a more positive self. Um, they can reduce emotional pain that often drives crisis behaviors. It's a way to get through. Um, I won't go into more examples. I think it's obvious, but I want you to be thinking of examples. Second one, one of the C's in accepts, contributing. You know this is a big one. Um, when you're in distress and you're aware of the terrible situation you're in, it can help take the edge off of that and move you away from that if you contribute to someone else <clears throat> like um, gosh, uh, Natalia about the loss of her child went on to focusing on among other things. Um, she came to feel, she and her husband came to feel that her child generated kindness and represented kindness and was a lovely kid. And so they developed a kindness project, which has gone a long ways, where people do things, kind things for other random people in the name of him. And there's little cards they have that one can give out. or So, you know, contributing to others. Uh, we joined, she joined an organization called... SUDC, sudden uh, unexpected death of a child, <laughs> to help with fundraising and, and collaborating with them and other parents who've gone through this. Um, you know, Cedar Coons immediately was contributing to um, building the uh, I don't know the scaffolding to help her nephews have a life in the future. So she had never had as much to do with them, and suddenly she was in making herself responsible for them. And that kind of contribution probably helped her get off the center of constantly thinking about her sister and the loss. Um, The people in Puerto Rico, whose island was so trashed, uh, got out into the hills, into the places to help. And that kind of contributing would be helpful. Um, It can increase a sense of meaning in life to do this and, and therefore improve uh, the moment and so if you, and and actually if you live in a way that already has this built in that you're contributing to others through some volunteer activities or some things you do either personally with people you know or with uh, the community it's in place when you need it you know you can rely on that as something to shift your focus to that instead of just thinking about yourself um, comparisons is the other see. And that is to try to refocus your attention away from the misery of yourself to others but in some different way so you can really think about the situation that others are in to recast your own situation in a different um, light Um, you know I remember when I was uh, had had uh, back pain and was in severe pain uh, and was relying on pain medication for the first few weeks Um, and I would get in severe pain, especially in the middle of the night, and nobody's there, and I can't yet have my pain medicine. I tried to stick to that. Uh, I would think about others that were in hell much worse than mine. And it didn't make me feel worse, It actually, and it didn't make me feel good. It just made me put in perspective. Because, you know, when you're in such misery yourself and you're in pain yourself, basically your focus of attention starts to just grow around yourself. So the more you can think outside yourself and think of the larger world and think of people, it can help you. If it makes you feel worse because you feel like, well, what am I complaining about? There's other people who have things worse. You know, using it in that way might not be helpful, but there's lots of ways that it it can be and that you can also think back to comparing it to other terrible things you yourself um, have gone through. The E in Accept is to generate uh, emotions that distract you from the current situation and distract you from the negative emotions. So you might read an emotional book or watch an emotional movie or listen to emotional songs or uh, have conversations with people where, where, you know, with those people, you usually generate positive emotions. You might do activities that generate positive emotions. It's really a focus on just one part of your experience, which is your emotionality and seeing if you can pick things to do, see, feel, feel, go over that make you feel um, different emotions pushing away is the P how do you use pushing away it's something we in a way we all kind of know uh, what to do we just kind of build up an imaginary wall between ourselves um, and and uh, and outside of ourselves and we try to put our painful emotions in a box outside of ourselves or on the shelf uh, put them away you can even visualize putting them away in a box and um, or you can actually write down things you're upset about that drive you crazy and put, put them on little pieces of paper and then drop those in a box and put the box up on a shelf and you can uh, you know you so you can find ways to push things away um, and that you can pretty much count the, on them coming back uh, Accepts. The next one is a T for thoughts. This is where you distract yourself by filling your mind with other thoughts rather than the thoughts that are part of your kind of crisis and victimization thoughts so that actually the thoughts that are activated by the negative emotion don't continue to go on and on and on and keep that cycle going. So you could put neutral thoughts in your head. You could sing a song. In your head I do a lot of that um, and you could uh, yeah so you can do uh, something to keep your mind away from the intensity of the emotion like you could think and look around Marsha has given an example of if you're at a funeral and you're really it's so painful you could start looking around the room at things and count things around you look at things show an interest in things just Filling your mind, the idea is filling your mind with thoughts. When I was learning, I, I think I've given this example somewhere previously in this podcast uh, of uh, trying to learn to downhill ski in my, you know, in not that long ago, and uh, really be terrified, terrified on the bunny slope where all the little kids are, be frightened. I'm just going to go down there and crash into little kids. And uh, I had really bad visualization of what was going to go on. And my teacher, my coach that I was with, had me uh, identify a silly song to sing while I would go down the hill. It was brilliant. I mean, it was just brilliant because it, it helped fill my mind with a silly thought set of thoughts um, rather than fill my mind with the thoughts of, uh, of crashing into little children and killing them and then feeling terrible. Um, the last one is S for sensations. And this is a really good one. So you can use a most changer. You can focus on emotions. You can focus on thoughts. You can focus on activities. You can focus on lots of things. But you can also just focus on sensations and try to uh, make it possible for you to have intense sensations that are different than the ones that are driving you crazy. So you really want your attention to get grabbed by some um some sort of sensations maybe you get in a really really cold shower and it's uncomfortable but it really grabs your attention and that means your attention is not at that moment being filled by other things Um, you can grab ice cubes and hold them uh, and activate you know your, your cold sensors in your hand or your wrist or your arms or your face And it's, uh, and really try to, uh, have the intensity of the sensation of coldness, almost pain, compete with the emotionality that you have. So your mind is drawn to that, right? You could use movement. I mean, you could get on a balance board that's really difficult and try to balance yourself where your sensations, uh, you might say are not just sensations of the five usual senses, but It's like proprioceptive sensations, vestibular sensations, balance, and that can engage your brain in a way that takes you away temporarily. And all these skills, as I mentioned last time, the last podcast, they're all temporary. They're all just temporary. None of these are solutions. None of these are big-time solutions. None of these solve the problem. These are all because you can't solve the problem right now, and you're going to do something potentially that's going to make things worse. So it just helps you get through and you need one after another, after another, after another. So those are the, those are the distract skills. Now the self-soothing skills is the next set. And these are doing things that feel pleasant, that feel comforting, that give you nourishment in a sense uh, for your different senses and provide relief from stress and pain. Um, And it's so they help to kind of uh, change generally how you are receiving other things that you're receiving because you're receiving them from a more comforted position, uh, a more nurtured position, a more resilient position. So you can use self-soothing activities when your, uh, emotions are coursing through you and, and you're having the urge to act impulsively and you decide, no, I'm gonna try self-soothing. And you can then think of ways to self-soothe based on the five typical sense senses you can also add ones that are not in the manual proprioceptive senses and and vestibular senses but vision and hearing smelling tasting touching all of these things so you can think of things you can think of things that and have them available for you you could have a self-soothing kit where you take out things that are actually soothing pictures I have my my dog one of my two dogs comes up on the phone on my phone when I open my phone and I swear, like 14 times a day, I have this soothed moment. You know, oh. And I practically just say, oh. You know, and, oh, there's Cash. We have a dog named Cash. And uh, he's so sweet looking. Um, and so I see him. You could listen to things that are soothing. It's fun in a, in when you're learning to figure out, well, what things do soothe me to listen to? And it's very different for different people. You could smell things that, Soothe you. Certain aromas make a difference, and you can have those things uh, available. Or taste things. You know, you might just have something that you like to put in your mouth—some kind of candy, some kind of um, sweet, some kind of something, some kind of drink that's soothing. Um, and touch. You know, certain. I mean, there's nothing like having your blankie from when you are a little kid or your adult version of your blankie. The thing you just like to hold, it's comforting to touch that thing. Proprioception, it might be that you'll help your sense of your own internal um, musculature and organs and things. So maybe if you have a weighted blanket on you or something heavy uh, and you wrap it up around you really tight, maybe that's soothing. The way our dogs when there's lightning and thunder and they're very terrified, they automatically go to their crates and want to sit inside their crates where it's sort of like that is a self soothing activity for them and it makes them feel protected, I guess. And your vestibular sensations so try to uh there it's try try to just sort of like get balanced, settle down, settle in, don't let yourself kind of uh make yourself worse by Um, uh, creating a sense of uh, imbalance in yourself. Um, So there are all these self-soothing activities that you can use at those times and find out what really works best for you, right? Um, Very powerful. And and one one, uh, kind of self-soothing that sometimes has come up in teaching skills training groups is how many people uh, combine a number of the self-soothing activities by being with their pet, so that you have a dog you have a cat you have a bird you have a snake you have uh, people have lots of different things that that between the touch and the visualization or the hearing or the smell even uh, of your pet being with your pet can be very soothing so that becomes a self-soothing skill and you can really focus on your body all the sensations by going through your body you can find online uh, lots of things and in Linehan's materials with the skills to uh, how to do body scans and focus take some time, anywhere from five minutes to 30 minutes, to go through your whole body like you would in a yoga class too and, uh, and, and calm yourself down by bringing to your attention in great detail different elements of your body. Um, the last of these sets of skills for crisis survival is called improve the moments. And it's another acronym, IMPROVE, and this is a combination of things. It's sort of like, I don't know. I have different ideas of what make what these things have in common, but actually they can be quite different from each other. Now, but but think of it this way: these other things like sensations, thoughts, emotions, uh, physiology, these things are all kind of like Mm, little chopped up bits of our overall experience of ourselves and the world and in some ways the improve the moment ones are uh, actually grasping larger pictures of things uh, looking at the big picture and uh, putting it just putting things together in some ways uh, in different ways uh, uh, to try to uh, improve the feeling you have this moment with some other better feeling so it's replacing immediate negative feelings with more positive ones um, by making the moment more positive. Now, how do we do that? The first one is imagery. You can, and this requires practice in order to get it into your parachute, you really need imagery that you can reliably call on, mental visualizations of being safe, of being comforted, of being in a good place, of being in a nice, protected room where nothing bad will happen to you and even if you don't have that at the moment in your real life it's like building that into your mind and your mind can become a very powerful holder of that image and when you need that image and you're just having a very terrible time you can you can sort of say let me let me bring up my safe space and you just close your eyes and you go there you spend time there You look at different things there. You rearrange things there. You add things there. You make it as safe and as nourishing as you possibly can. And there's other kinds of visualization, like if you're terrified about something you're about to do, is to visualize doing it ahead of time. It's part of a coping ahead kind of skill. Um, Visualization can be so powerful. It's as if it's as powerful as really doing things you know and sometimes it helps if you write these things out and then do them so that's the I in improve the M in improve is meaning that's where we find or create meaning out of a situation where we're in a crisis where we're sort of getting this isn't the bits and pieces of thoughts feelings emotions sensations and stuff this is kind of putting your misery putting your crisis putting your suffering in a larger story in a narrative that has meaning and where yeah, your suffering is uh, is in a way inserted into a larger meaningful story I remember when I did have that severe back pain I used all these because the improved skills of interest to me when I went over them are, are all skills that don't really require props you can do them while you're lying down somewhere just in your mind and they can be so helpful and so meaning for me was you know what i was thinking about what stories i was thinking about what people i was thinking about what i was reading i remember reading something that helped me get through one night was reading the story of the horse from the 1930s the depression era famous horse Seabiscuit, and there was a movie made about it after the book came out and um oh god i just love this story i just got totally immersed in this story about because the trainer was a, I mean, the, the jockey was a broken-down guy with lots of injuries, lots of pain. The horse was too small and was thought never going to make it and broke a leg at a terrible moment. I mean, it was sort of like a, a story of um, out of suffering and misery can come success and uh, resiliency. And I loved reading that story. And I think that even though it wasn't about me, I sort of merged the two and was kind of like feeling like, you know, so sometimes you can read stories uh, that are inspiring, that put your own misery in a context, uh, or you can start thinking about a larger life goal that might grow out of what you're in now. Don't knock yourself out trying to think of meaning. If you're not thinking of any, it could just make you feel bad. But there is the possibility of coming up with something that makes it meaningful, You know that you're, learned, you're going through something that's going to be put to good use in the future. P is for prayer I'll just say briefly about that that there's many different kinds of prayer and Linehan has gone over these and I think she helpfully comes up with suggesting that a distress tolerance prayer might be different than some other types of prayer it's not the prayer of please God give me the horse I've always wanted for Christmas you know please God uh, take away my brother <laughs> Oh, whatever else. All these things that we pray for. Um, But how about a distress tolerance, which is really like opening yourself up to the moment, saying, please, whether it's God or not, just please help me have greater tolerance for my pain. Help me have greater tolerance for my pain. It extends your tolerance, a distress tolerance. Prayer, you're asking for more tolerance. You're not asking for certain things, and you're not asking... Uh, please, God, tell me why I'm suffering. Um, but no, please, God, help me extend my distress tolerance ability. Um, that's prayer. R, improve. R, relaxing actions. You just want to widen the activities that you have. One, you know, when you're in a crisis, people tend to shrink their lives. They contract the activities they're involved in which deprives them of some of the things that maybe, usually, are sort of relaxing to do. Maybe you're someone who during the summer sometimes plays softball or volleyball, but God knows you don't want to go out and do that when you're going when you're suffering and in a crisis emotionally. But it might be the time that you actually could use that, most of all, if that's something that, once you're in it, can be relaxing. You know, get yourself there, get to the ball field, get to the volleyball court, get to the lake, get to the swimming pool, get to the flower garden, whatever it is, relaxing activities so that you can make yourself. You realize these things are also mundane in a certain way, but so the real trick of these is to get yourself to do them if you know, but you have to kind of pre-script it because once you're in emotional crises, you don't you don't have much patience for figuring these things out. So it's better if you've kind of got, like I keep saying, like a kit or a package or a, a way, a bunch of things you can do. Um, some of these might come in the form of, of listening to certain recordings that are very relaxing, certain music that's very relaxing, a certain body scan that you're following that's relaxing um the o in improve is one thing in the moment um and that really is that when you are in a crisis and you tend to feel in a way the fact that you're in the suffering that you're in right now sucks from your life history everything you that that you've had that suffering it's sort of like oh my god oh my god it's always terrible everything's terrible I have so many bad things happen to me and it may be true and you may be a victim of terrible luck but still that kind of thinking is like piling on it's like all these things together are just going to do you in so what you want to be doing when you feel the tendency to do that is to say just this one moment slow down your language slow down your pace slow down your breathing And while breathing in you might say just this one and then when you're breathing out you could just say moment or you could say just this one and when breathing out say to yourself breath because it reminds you that actually maybe you've breathed a million breaths in your life but actually all you're breathing now is this one breath you may have had a million slights and injuries in your life emotionally but actually the one you're in now is just this one it's trying to just narrow into the present moment um, so that you only have to survive this one pain right now you don't have to survive the combination of all pains that have ever come your way okay and and the next one vacation the V in improve is vacation This is an interesting one. It's just uh, it's a concept, and there's many ways to implement it. But the concept is you're taking a vacation from responsibility. You're taking a vacation from adulthood. You are thinking, even if it's for one minute, you, in a way you're trying to think, wait a minute, I'm going to hand off my burden, my responsibility, my dedicated job, my taking care of other people. Even though I can't really step out of it very long, I am going to 100% radically move out of it and just take a vacation. I might even ask somebody, hey, could you handle my next five minutes for me? I just need a complete break. I just need five minutes. I can't even get five minutes. And that can be uh, an improved moment skill even though you know you're going to be going back and that can be painful so you really have to figure out can can you really get that to happen now if you can do it for a longer time that's great um, have somebody take over or return a couple of phone calls for you or feed your dogs or make a meal for your kids or it seems to be what people do when somebody else is sick in a community is they start making meals for that person's family um, that's giving the person a vacation from meal making the E in the improve is encouragement. And encouragement is sort of how you talk to yourself. You um, cheerlead yourself. You validate yourself. You're talking to yourself the way you wish somebody else would talk to you. You know, um, there's uh, Linehan cites a Linehan um, uh, a statistic in, in work by Gottman, working with couples, That in couples, having a higher ratio of positive comments to negative comments about each other predicts the partner staying in the relationship. And just think of yourself as being in a couple, and the couple is yourself and yourself. So you're in a relationship with yourself. So if you want to increase your well-being and help your resilience and help you get through a crisis... You have to say more positive and encouraging things than negatives and put downs you know so that you have to rethink situations where you've been putting yourself down and say you know what I'm doing the best I can I am doing the best I can I really am I am you know I'm going to turn this around uh, it's going to be one step at a time it's almost like you're breathing over your own own shoulder and you're giving yourself advice of the kind that you wish you would get um, okay those are the improved skills so remember stop pros and cons tip distract with the various ways of distracting self-soothing with the various ways of self-soothing and then uh, improve the moment with all of these wonderful improve skills so this is a fabulous package I mean um, I, I, I feel it more now than I ever did even when I first started teaching it. I was already thought these are helpful and patients have convinced me how helpful they are I've convinced me how helpful they are by doing them myself when I've needed them. And I want you to get it. These are really important, but take each one seriously because when you just go over all of them, they just sound like they don't get how important each one can be and that each one has its own personality, okay? One skill can save your life. That's my last statement today. Next week, we're going to spend uh, on reality acceptance, one of my favorite topics, um, and already some of it is covered because I had two podcasts already, numbers 23 and 24, on radical acceptance, which is one of the six skills. So I won't spend as much time on radical acceptance, but I've got a lot to say about the other ones. Um, okay, I hope you're all good and I hope that this is helpful. Email me at c.robert.swenson if you have some feedback at Gmail, if you have some feedback from me or some suggestions, or you want to check in with me about some. Okay, bye.